Should we start this? Uh, this? Yes. Uh, this, uh... this uh, yes. Let's start this. Uh... Welcome to Beer Plus Three, where we attempt to solve the world's problems one beer at a time, even across the ocean. Today uh, we are with David Brown. <laughs> also with me, a woman that's going to give birth. Tomorrow. That's right. Brianne Longwell Edward person with uh, um, um, Darian inside. Darian. That's the, that's what Jeff's decided. Not call the him. only woman to ever grow a <laughs> penis inside of her. Also with us, finally, the only man I know that's not going to celebrate today's special holiday. It's the it's Earth it's, Day. No, it's what? Earth, Wind, and Fire Day. <laughs> it's September. I, I, they say the 21st of September in that song. Yeah. Boom. Does that make it an, Does that make it official? That makes it fucking official. <laughs> if you don't love Earth, Wind, and Fire, you don't love National or International Peace Day or whatever the fuck it is. So anything Earth, Wind, and Fire. International Peace Day. I might be wrong. No, I think you're right. Yeah. It was on my calendar. <laughs> Pre-written. Oh, yeah. So it must be you true. Know what, you know what you eat for dinner on International Peace Day? What? Dubs. Oh, no. Wait, what? I don't get it. I like that. I don't understand. Somebody explain the joke. Doves? Oh, doves. I thought you said dubs. Like dubstep. I'm like, what? (laughs) Apparently, I'm hard of hearing now. Yeah, I know. Oh, we're going to eat some dubstep tonight. Those are some tasty beans. (laughs) It's my favorite gun in uh, that, that video game. I can't remember the name of the video game. There's a dubstep gun? Yeah, it's a dubstep gun. People <laughs> dance themselves to oh, death. Oh, yeah. It's fucking awesome. That. I've played that um, game. It's That's Saints Row. Weird. Saints yeah. Row, and it's like the third or fourth one, and it's so fun. You also get a giant uh, um, purple dildo that you can use oh, as a sword. God. And beat people to death with. Yeah, well, you It know. is fantastic. The dubstep <laughs> gun is pretty fun, though. I mean, you, you, just, you just do it on a whole crowd of people, and there's a whole bunch of people dancing, and then they all fall dead. It's awesome. <laughs> Because they dance themselves to death. It happens. Anyway, that's who's here on Beer Plus 3 on this wonderful International Earth, Wind, and Fire Day. (laughs) International Peace Day. I like Earth, Wind, and Fire better. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We're just going to do like a musical break right off the bat. (laughs) I, I could sing you most of their discography if you wanted. Hell yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't know if I know any Earth, Wind, and Fire songs. What the fuck is wrong with you, Rick? I want to start off by telling the podcast what I'm drinking. What are you drinking, Dave? Because I opened it. Okay. It's a Cuvée van de Kaiser. It's an Imperial Dark Ale from Belgium. It's 11% alcohol, and it has some flavor text on it. It says, this exceptional ale ages well, developing a refined... Complexity and intense aromas with powerful notes of roasted malts, caramel, and plums. Hmm. And surprisingly soft and fruity aroma combines a warm roundness with a refreshing taste. An imperial brew to cherish and enjoy in moderation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to drink this 750 milliliters of 11% by myself in two hours. <laughs> Fuck you, moderation. It's international day, bitches. Wait, two hours? Slacker. <laughs> well, the podcast is only an hour and a half now because Rick has problems with time. I I have problems with time. How yeah, do I have problems? You said when we go longer than an hour and a half, it takes too long to edit. Oh, that. Yeah, yeah, it does. It's well, you like, have to listen no to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does that no longer apply now that you're temporarily unemployed? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not mentally unemployed, though. You know, so it's I feel like I'm still busy. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Actually, the 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 list of things that I'm trying to do in my downtime is it. I'm not feeling like I'm taking a break right now. It's like we have a long list of things we've wanted to do over the last couple of years. You know, things around the house. The honeydew kind of list. Yeah, yeah, and it's say. it's gotten very yeah. it's gotten big, and uh, it's gradually um, paring it down. So it's kind of cool. Plus, we had the whole converting the daughter's bedroom into a TV room. And that's almost completed yeah, now. Yeah, it looks good. Yeah, it's yeah, really yeah. Good. I'm really excited it looks like, about it. Uh, no one, it looks like a great place to pass out later. <laughs> that's what I was thinking, Jeff. It's got a couch and yeah. a floor. All it needs is a 
and I live there. I really just need a floor. <laughs> I don't even need a That's fireplace. True. One of the favorite things that I like is when, when Jeff first moved back from Mexico, he rented a house that he was setting up before Jamile moved in. Yeah. And he had a he had a room off of the living room that he never furnished or anything the whole time that he was living there. And That's so the only true. time that we ever the only time that we ever really used it was when we had big parties and people would pass out in there. <laughs> Yeah, that was before my wife showed up. After my wife showed up, we made it into a, uh, uh, what do you call that, a TV room. Oh. So it had right. like a couch in there with yeah. a couple of chairs, and that's where we I, I just TV. love the right. idea that at any party, you could open that door and just see five or six oh, people no, passed out. Oh, no, it was just out. like a sea of bodies in there. It looked, like, yeah. it looked like the kill room. It really did. <laughs> that's great. You know, I saw a thing on uh, YouTube. I, I Apparently, this video had gone viral, and I'd completely missed it. It was a, about a woman in New York who lived in 90 square feet. Her apartment was 90 square feet. And they they take you into her apartment, and it is just like, it's almost like a hallway, her, the whole apartment. And she's got like a, a rack over here with all of her stuff in it, and there's no kitchen. She's got like a toaster oven on one of the shelves and like a little fridge. She's got a chair over here and a desk. And then the bed is like you climb up into a little loft area that's like, it looks like it's about a foot and a half away from the ceiling, you know, and it's just crazy. And I, I watched that video and I was really inspired by it. I was like, I'm, I'm always impressed with people who know how to make do with what they have, you know, instead of getting all, you know, annoyed and freaked out by it. Too much shit and then they have to get her place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually one of the benefits she mentioned. She said, you know, it's like I don't have a lot of stuff to deal with. There's just a few things here and that's it, you know. And I think that's kind of cool. And it's really interesting. You know, I go scrolling through the YouTube comments and everybody's just like totally tearing her down and like ranking on this idea of like living in this tiny little space. And I'm just like, if she's happy with it, why are you all bothered? You know, at one point they showed an intersection near where she lived and I caught the name on one of the build on one of the businesses. So I did a search on Google and I did street view and I found, I actually found like the, the intersection near where she lives and you could see like the apartment, the window to her apartment and stuff. And you know, you zoom out and she's like one block away from central park. She's living in a very desirable part of the world, you know, and, and she's making it work the way she wants to make it work. And it's just weird to me that I was, I was inspired by, I thought it was really awesome. And it's like, everybody's just like tearing her down in the comments and talking about how horrible it is. And that's funny because, uh, I remember, um, when we, back when we had cable, like years and years ago, my wife would watch all those house hunter shows. Oh yeah. And they had house hunter is international. And every time it was a fucking American Yeah, in Europe, everything was too small in Asia. Everything. It's just too small. I don't know if I can do this. And then like every house they fucking went to, it was like, that's how the real world lives. Yeah, they don't yeah, live yeah. in gargantuan fucking houses and mansions. Well, there. the thing that always got me about that that show is that you would people would go and they, you know, the whole what you would want to see in that show is like a young couple. They've got maybe two hundred fifty thousand dollar budget. And what can we find you that, that works for you and that's that's like not a too much of a compromise, right? That's those are the cool episodes. You'd watch those and you go, wow, they really help. Yeah, them with reasonable human beings. Yeah. But then they, they of course they want the asshats. Yeah, but then you get shit. those people like that who are walking into these places and they have like a, a budget of like one point two million. This and is how like, people live here. How do they do it? I know. Why do I care what you guys do? You don't find? have a you're three not... acre yard and you're going fucking nuts because yeah, yeah, your closet yeah. is in a walk in closet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. An yeah. online discussion. With a, with a friend of mine uh, from high school, uh, she lives in Seattle and she always has. And she was complaining about the the, the housing crisis in Seattle. Yeah. And and I understand that it's real. Um, I mean, it's it's not a figment of anybody's imagination. I mean, it's a real thing. They're getting a thousand people a week. Oh, yeah. In Seattle since 2010. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Um. And but she was complaining about housing, and then she was saying how how there's a company that wants to build a 49-story apartment complex where the showbox is, which anybody that's from the area, it's a, yeah. really, Love the popular, a really famous, well, yeah. or locally yeah. famous music venue that's mm-hmm. been around for, Ever. for Ever, since, yeah. the 30, since, he, since 1939, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah, that's one um, of those venues like the Crocodile Cafe and stuff that's kind of synonymous. I mean, you'd yeah. think they would want to you know, hold on to some of those things. But the thing is... The thing is, is when I think about Seattle, is I don't necessarily think about like tearing down the showbox and building a 49, a 49 floor apartment building. I mean, yes, okay, maybe yeah. 
never. I think of all the space that's wasted. If you go out like in Capitol Hill and all these other places that are that are or were at least when I was there, respectable neighborhoods or maybe. Um, and and even even like in Bellingham, you look at downtown Bellingham, and you sit, look at all the space that's in all these prime real estate places yeah. that are houses with yards. Yeah, yeah. So you're sitting, you're looking, you're looking at a, a place that could house an apartment complex that's of of some stories at least that could house fifty families, and you've got four people living there. Yeah. Because there's some notion that that houses are what you have to have in order to in order to be, feel like you've achieved the American dream. We don't have that here. You don't go into downtown Stockholm and find houses. If you do find houses, they've been converted into businesses, apartment or, or, or condos, really, yeah, because that's yeah. kind of how apartments work here. You don't yeah. rent apartments, really. You buy condos, but they're apartments, but. You don't find that anywhere. What you do is you find apartments and you find parking garages underneath the apartments or you find, you know, but you, not everybody has parking. Sometimes you just don't have parking. Right. Sometimes you just have to, if you want to live there, you have to either decide not to have a car and use public transportation. Whereas in the U.S., uh, at least I know in Bellingham, one of the big things is they don't want to build new apartment buildings because apartment buildings require park one car for every apartment yeah which is a logistical nightmare yeah yeah which is is ridiculous yeah if you live in the middle of downtown in bellingham and you're close to the public transit which sucks but whatever Mm -hmm. you don't necessarily need a parking spot per apartment and so when i was talking to my friend about about the housing crisis in seattle and she was complaining about you know there's not enough housing and then they the places they are trying to build housing they're they're tearing down potentially historic landmarks and i'm like yeah but they could get rid of one house yeah in these neighborhoods yep. and build a, a 49 story apartment complex and house 300 families instead of one family mm-hmm. i thought that's what was kent was for because whenever i've gone to kent it's always apartment buildings and storage facilities that's all that's in kent i swear to kent fucking is, god kent is growing faster than seattle actually yeah i looked up the oh. statistics tonight is, wow. is that Kent is growing faster than Seattle? That's. I'm gonna try. The, I'm gonna try this dark weird. ale, so I hope it's good. Oh, well, well, we wait with bated breath. Well, okay, beery breath. <laughs> well, while you're drinking really that, very, it's not really very dark. It's kind of. Uh, well, it's a Belgian ale, so no, you're right. It's not gonna be very dark. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's good. It's it's weird, but it's 11, percent <laughs> so I'll only care for another five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Never a truer statement was spoke. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man, I can't wait to get into one, one of the interesting things, also this conversation that I was having with my friend, one of the interesting things is she's very liberal. She's very bleeding heart liberal and all these other kinds of things. She's a, she's a Bernie bro, I guess you could say even somewhat. Is that her, the initial comment, the reason we were having this conversation, is her, her initial comment is the local immigrants in Seattle are ruining Seattle. Yeah. Um. Yeah. What's your definition? Of wait. What, what? First of all, what's a local immigrant? Yeah, that's what I want to know. The, what does that mean? That, the people from outside of Seattle that come to Seattle for opportunity. Okay. I'm used to just people talking about brown people that way. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> no, in, people that come to Seattle that aren't originally Seattleites are people that California. Okay, yeah, California. 100 of their money or plan to live forever in Seattle. Yeah. They're they're local they're immigrants. Aliens. <laughs> and her argument, her arguments were exactly the arguments that I hear from Republicans or from uh, Trump supporters or whatever about national, uh, national immigrants. Yeah. And so I pointed that out to her, and so she went through all these arguments, and she tried to convince me. And I, I tried to have a reasonable discussion, and it was reasonable on both sides, but I was unable to convince her of what I was saying, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, at the end, I just had to say, "Well, really, I'm just glad that you don't live on a border town, because otherwise, then you, then your, the the feelings that you're putting off on these people that are moving to Seattle, you're blaming these people that just want to go and have a good life and make money for their families and whatever. You're blaming them for the situation, 
But isn't that I'm part of the whole? Yeah, isn't that part of the whole gentrification thing? I mean, I thought I thought people moving in and driving prices up is is like, I mean, there's just to be devil's advocate. I mean, there's two sides to that, right? I mean, there are people who live there and don't want to see the prices go through the roof of you know the cost of living. So I don't I don't know if that's well, coming from the whole same. Foods. <laughs> well, there is there is something to that, but gentrification is more racially yeah a yeah. Thing. No, I understand that, whereas, but it's, whereas what's happening in Seattle, yeah, well, it, not necessarily. It was, but it, originally it was it was white people that Absolutely. were coming into yeah, yeah, traditionally yeah. black or minority neighborhoods, right? Um, because it was cheap to live there, and then they were making everything more expensive, and so it's a real thing. Yeah, yeah. But it is very racially motivated, not in the sense of on an was. individual level. I would say it was racially level. motivated. I think now things are a little bit. I mean, so using San Francisco as kind of a uh, 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 an example of that. It's the uh, those the the tech companies. There's quite a few there are in and around. Yeah. Uh, San Francisco, and those people make a lot of money. So what did they want to do? They wanted to live in San Francisco. They wanted to live in town. So when they move in and they buy all these yeah. buildings that are now, you know, the people that have been living there for thirty years that aren't necessarily black, white, yeah. or anything else, yeah, um, they're right. just they're you know, hey, you want to pay three million dollars for this? Fuck yeah! Now I can go live in uh, fucking Walnut Creek or just across the bridge in Hercules or wherever I want to go, and they, yeah. they can you know have a better life, but. By doing that, these tech company guys have essentially ruined San Francisco. It's now just a bunch of Whole Foods. And I've, I've actually went on Google like you did and looked at all the places I used to haunt in San Francisco. All the bookstores are gone. All of them. Except for uh, the one run by uh, the, the famous writer. I can't remember his name. Mm -hmm. But uh, um, except for that one. That one's still there. But almost all the used bookstores are gone. Uh, a lot of uh, the, the, the more seedier places that I used to go to. Stinky peep show? Well, no. I mean, well, no. Trust me, the the porn theater's still there. Trust me, you know it is. I, yeah. I actually, I actually had a thought about this the other day because I read an article about how starving artists, quote unquote, can no longer afford to live in places um, that are traditionally uh, where the starving artists live. I don't. Uh, San Francisco, places of San Francisco, parts of San Francisco. I hate Ashbury in those areas. Yeah. All, yeah. All yeah. starving artists and parts of New York and parts of Paris and all these other places that these really gritty city urban areas that were hotbeds of culture uh, historically, um, no artists can no longer afford to live there. Yeah, of course not. And Greenwich Village, Soho. Are, hmm. And artists are very upset about this. And... And I can understand from a historical point of view, but my my thought was, is that doesn't that mean that, that we're really looking at a shift in what art is inspired by? Yeah. Because the reason that the reason exactly. that artists can't live there anymore is because they're not places that can be uh, artists can afford. But that means yeah. that there's nothing there. There's what's there isn't. Yeah. The, down and dirty part of the world that ins that might inspire young artists. Yes, yeah. well, exactly. So, so wouldn't it make sense more for artists then to flee the cities and get out and start looking at these rural areas that have been flyover areas for so long? Well, that that's exactly it. And start building an art from that perspective. Yeah, culturally, and in that sense, they can live there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, culturally, I mean, that's going to happen regardless. There's going to be a new Soho or Greenwich Village to pop out of this situation, whether it's, you know, someplace in New Jersey or, you know, someplace just outside of Paris. Who knows? But that yeah. that's going to happen regardless. We're always going to have artists. We have to have artists. We're humans. Yeah. It's part of oh, yeah. our, our makeup. Why? I don't know. I couldn't tell you. But that's going to happen. My What I take exception at is, is um, and it's never just one person or one thing, but uh, the, uh, the real, um, real estate agents and, and people uh, that take advantage of these situations to 
remove people and try to make as much money as they can oh, off of yeah. the next people but that's and whole... the next people, which is part of gentrification, which is a, the really bad part of gentrification. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, that's yeah, and that's and also it, it, well, from what I've seen, gentrification tends to take a lot of culture out of these areas. So now, instead of a used bookstore that's been there for forty years that has you know an immense amount of respect in the town and everything, yeah. you have a, a fucking Chili's or a TGI Fridays or someplace like that where these tech company assholes want to go. Yeah, yeah, you know. But you know, it's never just one person or one thing. It's it's always more it's than a, that. It's, it's systemic. It's a culmination. It's a culmination yeah. of many different things. Wow, are we actually solving a world problem? <laughs> one, one beer at a time. We solve world problems 141 episodes <laughs> at a time. <laughs> this, this, this is my third beer, so hey, it took three oh, beers for this it, one. Yeah, it took a while, but we're getting there. Yay, solved a problem. Artist, move your asses out of the city. <laughs> no, you'll you'll land somewhere, and there will be an, a resurgence of art from somewhere, from something. Yeah, I mean that's that's one of those. You know, art always seems to have these little these little. I don't want to use the term epicenter, but it seems like that's what they are. You have these little mm-hmm. places where they it just kind of breaks out. Well, please name and, a city in the world. Mexico City has Coyoacan. That yeah, was yeah, a yeah. huge place. Oh yeah. Um, you know, like you said, New York has Greenwich Village. Paris yeah. has. I don't remember where Paris is. It's that red light district area. Anyway, uh, where the Moulin Rouge is in that area. Um, yeah. No, they have the they have that beatnik place that's down the way from. Oh, there's from also the Shakespeare and Company, but I'm sorry. Oh. They have that beatnik area that's right down the street from the Eiffel Tower. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's just. It's, I don't remember what it's called. Neither do I. I know what you're talking about. I know too. exactly what you're talking about. I've yeah. been there. Um, but. Uh, um, uh, what is it? London had Soho, um, but Soho yeah. wasn't the only place in London that ever had that. Same with Paris. Same with uh, um, uh, you know Mexico City. Same with New York. New York, yeah. I'm sure, had another place at some point that was super artistic. But those things always shift, and so to me, that sounds just like you know a certain amount of artists get into an area and they get really entrenched in their way of doing things. And it's like when something changes, it's like that's that's life. You know, that happens to everybody. It's like, you know, it's time to move on, not get nostalgic about it or, you know, dig in your heels. Just move on to the next, you know, whatever. But, I mean, you have to remember that um, um, much like uh, Coyacan in Mexico City, I mean, that's where uh, Frida Kahlo's house is, and now it's a museum. Oh, Um, And where um, you name the uh, Mexican artist in the last hundred years, that's where they live. That's where they did all their work. Whether it was a writer, whether it was a painter, whether it was a sculptor, whatever. Diego Rivera, her, you know, a lot of uh, folks come out of there. Yeah. but, uh, it, you know, now it's basically just a tourist spot. That's all it is. It's a tourist spot. So, that, you know, that people... Reminds, that reminds yeah. me of a, of a thing, and I know it seems a little bit off, off topic, um, but in an interview... Nice keychain. Uh, a, Jack, uh, a Jackie Chan interview. I know, like I said, it seems a little off topic. A Jackie Chan interview. One of the, inter- the interviewers asked him if he grew up wanting to be the next Bruce Lee. And his response was, no, I want to grow up to be the first Jackie Chan. <laughs> well, he was also, uh, what, he was a clown for a while? I mean, that's where he, an so acrobat or a dancer? I can't remember. An operatic martial artist. I mean, he trained in operatic martial arts. Oh, okay. But his, his response was, no, I don't want to be the next Bruce Lee. He was great and fantastic and one of the best. But I want to be the first Jackie Chan. Yeah. Which, which in in this sense is as an artist. I mean, I I, I think of him as an artist, a martial artist, but as an artist, as a. As oh a, no, he's a dancer. Uh, Please, I've seen him move. What? Uh, he's a dancer. I've seen him move. Yeah, he's 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 more of a dancer than he is a martial artist. Because I mean, Bruce Lee was a martial artist, and he moved completely different than Jackie Chan. It's true. Just like Jet Li is a martial artist, but moves completely different than Jackie. Yeah, he's on my list. Oh, he's—they're all on my list. Trust me, baby. (laughs) But uh, they're on my T-shirt list. Is that that if you're an artist and you want to be the next Andy Warhol, well, why wouldn't you just want to be the first you? Yeah. Instead, and that's kind of where we're getting is where so many people are like, well, we can't live in these in these inner these super urban super gritty, traditionally artistic areas anymore because we've been outpriced. Yeah. Well, right, because you can't be the next uh, Andy Warhol. 
Yeah. You you have to be the next, or you have to be the first whoever you are. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because, it's because the times have changed. Absolutely. The needs of the, the needs of art have changed. I mean, mm-hmm. art is a reflection of society, and society has changed. Yeah. And so, just like you were talking earlier about, or before the podcast, you were we were messaging about the no code history of Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, uh, before. That's what they needed at the time because it was there were no rules yet, and it was post, or it was post Roaring Twenties Depression era. Well, it was actually almost during the exact same time, but yeah, the the reason there was no rules is because nobody took it seriously, and so the more serious people took it, all of a sudden now people are paying through paying to go see these movies, and nobody is is regulating any of this, so they got away with all kinds of wonderful stuff, and there was a lot of good art that came from that. But but it's a really good example of of art being a reflection of what light, what society needs at oh, any given time, mm-hmm. as opposed to art being something that you create from what's there. Absolutely. Is that art, art is a response to living, not a reason for living. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But, it, you know, art is, not only does art come from culture, but it becomes culture. Uh-huh. Exactly. So but, your statement, uh, in fact, is quite correct. <laughs> so, so when I think about being priced out of out of neighborhoods as artists, uh, I was having. We were talking about this. I well, it's it's not just artists. It's the the no, old no, no, mom and pop shops and the, sure. the those places and people that have been there for decades, and yeah. and the, what gave. That neighborhood, good, bad, indifferent, or uh, white, black, whatever you want to call it, it gave it that. Uh, it gave it its its almost culture. It gave it its its personality. It gave it it gave it a, a home. It, it made it a home, and that's 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 what gentrification generally takes away is the home that was created by the people before, and yeah. now it has become home to the people now. Good, bad, or indifferent—that is what it is. But I, like I said, I take exception when they just bring in corporations, like they have in San Francisco. So, right. But that's, like I said, that's just my own ditty. But it's not just art. But it—that's it, it, that sense tends to be a sensitive touchstone for people. Yeah. When gentrification is involved. Yeah. Fortunately, nothing like that's going to happen to math. So. <laughs> I'm good. So the Midwest is good. Oh, you meant math. I thought you said meth. Math. <laughs> no, math. No, math. I was like, that Midwest should be fine then. A gentrification of meth. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't know. You know what? All the kids, all the rich kids are doing it. So you know what? <laughs> Let them. <laughs> it's now a status symbol. <laughs> oh, that would be awesome. Hi, here's your silver spoon with you in your mouth. Here you go. Here's your Lexus or whatever fucking car is right now. And a meth pipe. There you go. Silver silver heroin spoons? Yes, silver heroin spoons. Absolutely. Oh, boy. I knew a heroin addict that was a a multimillionaire. Really? Yeah, her parents parents owned half of Ethan Allen. Oh, should we put that on the podcast? And uh, oh, she's probably either dead, and nobody that oh, knows okay. about this is going to listen to it anyway. Yeah, and if they do, well, sorry, but and I don't even. Uh, I'm yes, I do know her name. I'm not going to mention any names. Yeah, but um, um, well, it's not like it's not like rich, you know. But know you know, they they were every... extremely wealthy individuals, you know, and they, they love their daughter and everything. But she lived in the San Francisco Park and. Uh, Golden Gate Park and did heroin. That's that was her gig. So no. until until the morning when all the yoga people came and for some reason that shoot away all the heroin addicts. <laughs> and, uh, they crawled back under their bushes. I don't know what happened there. Like, oh my god, healthy people. Fucking it up for all the decent, hardworking drug users out there. I know, I know. <laughs> Fucking yoga. Fuck yoga. That's one of it's my favorite things I've ever seen. What? This is why drug addicts can't live in San Francisco anymore. <laughs> Oh no, they still live there. It's just cocaine now, and they do it indoors. Um, and no, I, I remember uh, my wife and like five of her friends all have birthdays in the same week. So it's like four, five, six, seven, eight. Oh, jeez! It's quite literally the march of those dates. Yeah. And yeah. so one year, they all got together. What? 
It's nine months after what holiday? <laughs> oh, I, I don't know, to be honest with you. That's actually Or maybe they're all friends and it was like a quinceanera or something. <laughs> yeah, their parents all went to the same prom. <laughs> um, I don't fucking know. Uh, but uh, they, they all had these birthdays like right in a row. In fact, um, you all know Beto. His birthday is the day yeah. after my wife's birthday. Oh, okay. He's yeah, one of yeah. them. Yeah. So we all got together in this place called Mayra Bravo, which is uh, uh, in the hills of uh, Mexico. Yeah. And it's a gorgeous town. Absolutely. Yeah. It's super ancient, like, um, not ancient town, but a uh, um, super European-esque town. We're talking cobblestone streets with the European-esque uh, oh, uh, cool. buildings. It's gorgeous. It's yeah. a tiny town in the hills, yeah. right, Looking overlooking this beautiful lake. Well, her friend, one of the friends, owned, like, a house there. And they had this big plot of land that they were like, oh, let's just go down by the lake and have this big party for all of us. And there was like 300 people there. Wow. One guy there, and I was already a little lit by that point, and you'll be able to tell how lit in a minute. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I saw him. He had this green shirt on, and I'm looking at him I'm like, oh, that guy's really handsome. Uh, the, the number one, that's, that's the first hit. <laughs> and I'm like, that, that guy seems really handsome. He turns around. He has his green shirt, big block, white letters, fuck yoga. I <laughs> ran at him and just like hugged him out of fucking nowhere. It's like, you are my favorite person ever. I'm speaking English to this guy, you know, this party in Mexico. He was like, thank you? He's like, you it was your shirt. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I thought that was the best shirt ever. Aside from the other guy that had the the t shirt that says "Autistic Kids Rock" with a little rocking chair on it. <laughs> oh, that's just it was a horribly tasteless shirt. But <laughs> well, I'm wondering, it, w- fuck yoga. Was that like fuck a yoga uh, was genius? Was that, that was, an anti yoga uh, statement or is that just a type no, of yoga? I mean, this guy was fit <laughs> as a fucking fiddle. He probably did no, no, yoga. no, no, no. I, he I, was I, probably a yoga instructor for you know they they have like hot yoga. And other types yeah. of this. Maybe oh, that was, was fuck yoga. He was wearing that shirt ironically. Yeah. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> these are rich kids in Mexico. I don't know. You know yeah. Irony's kind of lost on some folks. <laughs> well, you would have to be not a rich the poor kid. Mexicans, they get it. <laughs> <laughs> they fucking understand. They're like, hey, that's afford, funny. They can't afford irony. They melt that shit down and sell it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you would have to be a rich kid to afford lab-grown meat. So oh, I would fucking eat the shit say. out of that, as long as it's good. <laughs> what? That would be fantastic. Yeah, I'd do it. Doesn't it it's weird you out a little bit, much, though? It's much better for the environment, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm sure it is. The meat industry is one of the worst, worst uh, environmentally damaging uh, consumables that we, that we have. Is the meat industry? It's yeah. horrible. Yeah. Yeah. And yet, I can't stop eating meat. So, if there were an alternative <laughs> to to the culture, the climate damaging meat that I eat, yeah, you know, lab grown, yeah. do it. I'm all about it. Not going to stop eating meat anytime soon. I love it so much. <laughs> well, it's not an issue of not eating meat. It's it's an issue of would you eat stuff that was grown in a lab? Oh uh, yes. Yeah. Sure. Why not? I think I, I would eat stuff that's grown in shit. <laughs> mean mushrooms. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and pigs and chickens. Why wouldn't I do it in something that's grown in a sterile lab? Yeah, but those are it's not meat. It's not like actual How do you know? flesh. They grow organs and shit. Yeah, too. that's true. That's true. Just, they grow skin. Just, I've seen I've seen that documentary where they were growing skin. They were like the whole things of skin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the sheet, me. and then they would use it for burn victims. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. Someone them. got my reference. Thank God. What? I eat turkey bacon. It's not fucking bacon, but I eat it. <laughs> Turkey bacon is delicious. Yeah, Furky. Fur- also delicious. <laughs> exactly. Tofu is amazing. It's not meat. Well, I don't know if you guys read that article that I posted about, you know, I shared with nope. you guys about it. So, but it's, it's <laughs> I guess because they're growing it in a lab, there's no fat on it. Yeah. So when they actually oh, nice. use it, it's like, but yeah, it's but, like, but no, you have you to need have a little bit. Yeah. So it's so like, it tastes incredible. like ostrich. It's <laughs> ostrich. Is butter, foul. Otherwise yeah. you have to use I, butter in order to cook it because it, it sticks to the pan. Yeah. You certainly, I, I no. use olive oil. You want some natural. Oil. Yeah. But the problem with olive oil is that when it heats up fast, it turns into... Insoluble fats. Oh, yeah, it switches sides. Oh, I didn't know that. Those are the bad fats. So it's better to use uh, 
the, the, the type of fat where it cools and it stays liquid is really bad for you. So you want the type yeah. of fat when it cools, it becomes solid like butter. Hmm. So or like meat so, fat. Right. But so so if you were to say cook your so this is one of the reasons why why certain types of uh, deep frying is really bad for you. Yeah. Because that oil stays oil even at room temperature. It hmm. stays liquid even at room temperature and that's really bad for your body. So you want hmm. the oils that will solidify at room temperature because that's better for you. I mean, it's and I'm so good. Pounds, so I know all about eating healthy. So All I have cool. to say to that is fuck yoga. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of bad for the environment, I uh, I listen to a podcast called Science Versus. If you ever get a chance, it's like a thirty minute podcast. Yeah, and it is just amazing. It's wonderful. Yeah. Um, uh, yes, I just hung up on my wife. <laughs> um, it was probably not my wife. It was probably my daughter. Uh, either way, yeah, but it's better. but it's easier if you think it's your wife. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, um, I now they just did a science versus plastic, and they were uh, or science versus straws. I now know why the straw thing is happening, yeah. and I didn't know before. I was like, it just came out of nowhere for me. I was like, oh yeah, I hate straws anyway, so I'm never going to use you them. You didn't see the pictures of the turtle with the straw that's, through his nose? Yeah, that, and that's from like three years ago. Yeah, yeah. and uh, it's not even pictures. There's a whole video, and they talked to the woman who took uh, helped take the video, mm. and she's uh, a marine biologist. Who well, lives down in Costa Rica and does a lot of that stuff? Yeah. Well, they just pulled this turtle aboard that they thought had a barnacle in its nose, and they were like, "Well, it probably has a hard time breathing." Yeah. So they brought it on board and grabbed pliers and started taking this out. Here's the gross thing: she describes it as uh, uh, they 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 pulled this thing out and they couldn't quite identify it, so they cut off the end of it and like gave it to uh, one of the Costa Rican guys that was kind of their guide. Yeah. <laughs> He chewed on it. Oh! <laughs> it said, no, it's plastic. <laughs> I love it. This is why I love Latin America, because they're fucking, no fucking, no. Nobody cares. Just do what you need to do. That's, Get it done. That's oh genius. God. They're wonderful human beings. Yeah. Um, and, uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and that's how they found out it was a straw, and they finally got it all the way out. And apparently oh. it's a pretty gruesome video to watch. Yeah. And it, it had to grow over the last three years, but that's why. And then, of course, in Science Versus, they always, you know, Propose several questions, which you know they want, you know, how, why, when, where, what, or whatever you know these questions might be. Yeah, and ultimately, it was like straws really only make up like point, basically one yeah. percent of of all the tons of plastic that's going into the oceans. So, it, it, yes, well. it's good to get rid of the straws, absolutely, but also other things. Because this woman said uh, one of the first things she saw was uh, um, a turtle trying to drop her eggs off on the beach. She was struggling and struggling and struggling and struggling. And mm-hmm. she walked up on the turtle, and there was something else sticking out of her cloaca or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, she saw something. They pulled it out. It was an entire plastic bag like you get at the grocery store. Oh, Jesus. Inside this turtle, you know. It's, wow. So it's, it's more than well, just that. Yeah. And, of course, then they the went into is, microplastics. But yeah. The thing is that... Is that one of the reasons that straws are a big deal is because it's it's except for very rare instances, and I say rare for for me, but but except for instances where people are require straws to eat or to drink, yeah, like require them physically, mm-hmm. is that straws are one hundred percent a convenience. Yeah, that's that's true, but um, I mean, you know, certain conveniences are. Unless you're a paraplegic, you don't need a slur straw. That's, but that's what I. But that's what I mean. Yeah. Is that outside of very specific instances? Well, the thing is, is plastic, plastic straws are convenient. Right. Yeah. And it's and it's something that could be or easily me, done without. <laughs> but the thing is, you're never gonna you don't you don't win these kind of battles with the public by telling them they have to change their behavior. And so when no. they when they talked about. You know, replacing it with paper straws, and I remember the paper straws like from the seventies. Do you guys remember those? Oh no. yeah, we used so to get them in school. Yeah, I've know. talked about it on this podcast. Like they just—they're disgusting. You get two sips out of it and melt. Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is, yeah. I guess the uh, the the uh, technology for that has really come along. Like they've really developed it to the point where I guess the paper straws are almost indistinguishable from plastic, other than the fact that they will biodegrade a hell of a lot faster and not cause those kind of problems. Yeah. 
So I was kind of against that when I first heard it until I heard somebody from that industry talking about the fact that nowadays when you look at a paper straw, you almost can't even tell the difference. Mm-hmm. Then they, they don't fall apart. They're not like gross and like turn soggy within 30 seconds, you know, like they used to. They're Well, it is so, 40 years later. Well, it, but <laughs> having heard that, it just still yeah, amazes still me. still use the internal combustion engine. <laughs> I know. But it still amazes me how outraged people are by this whole idea that we're going to switch to paper straws, you know, over the plastic ones that we've had forever, supposedly. Although that's actually not true. I guess paper straws were uh, first. I guess historically they were actually the first thing on. Yeah. So it was like, you know, if you're if you're all worried about what we grew up with or what's traditional, you know, that that argument isn't even valid. Although it's straws are dumb and I hate them and I don't need them anymore. (laughs) They're just dumb. Why? I like straws. I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm just. Then I'm going to say you're it. going to seductively stir your martini <laughs> with your with penis? the stick that the uh, the oh, yeah, olives come on. Maybe I should have. Maybe I should have said you're rum and coke. You no. I'm a grown adult. I don't drink rum and coke. Can't you seductively stir rum and coke? I just said yes. With Look pe- at my candy I'm stirring. <laughs> it will make me drunk later, and I want to have sex oh, with you. Cool. Oh, well. Nobody yeah. liked my answer, yeah. stirring it with your penis, but whatever. Oh, I, that was my favorite answer so far. Okay. I want to see you drink with your penis like uh, Mork from Ork did with his finger. The problem is, is that I like to have ice in my rum and coke. <laughs> yeah, it just it stops stirring after a while. It just retreats. I get one or two good swirls, and then I'm like flipping the tip on it, <laughs> just around the rim. Hopefully, they didn't salt it. Can you bend it like the like Beckham? the bendy straws? I mean, can you like twist it? Into it even a makes shape? that sound. <laughs> Fortunately slash unfortunately in this case have foreskin. So then those bubbles get up in there and that's just weird. That's magic. You do not want to carbonate the head of your penis. I do all the time though. Advice. Good advice. What else are you supposed to use Sierra Mist for? (laughs) Nobody drinks that shit, do they? Uh, You know. If you don't have seven up around, maybe that maybe Sierra Mist will do. No, no, it won't. Does it give it that fresh? Uh, I forget the commercial. Sorry, Je ne sais I was going to go with a nice 80s commercial, but I can't remember. Um, this is because this is. Does it give it that f- fresh <laughs> summer? No, uh, no, the Seven Up commercial. Yeah. Back in the way back in the 80s. Oh. <laughs> With the, I, the half lime, half lemon. The Lyman? Lyman. I guess. You mean that town in Washington? No. You mean my history teacher in college? No. Professor Lyman? Never go to a no. professor named Lie. Lyman. It was his name he was, was Lyman. Lyman. He's going <laughs> to lie to you, man. <laughs> professor Lyman didn't like me because he read my editorials in the college newspaper. Yeah. And he occasionally alluded to them in class, which was very uh, somewhat uncomfortable. He was very conservative, and I don't think he liked my point of view on things. And so he would occasionally allude to my uh, my op eds in the in the college paper while God I'm sitting there. Communist views? Well, not quite that like that, but it was like it made me a little uncomfortable. I'm like, okay, good. You're I'm getting a grade from you, and I'm glad to hear that you don't like anything I have to say. But that's cool. <laughs> Maybe he thought it was a different Rick Anderson. Can't be the only one. I would know. <laughs> no, there aren't any others. I've Killed looked them all. I've looked it up. Was this in high school or college? College. That seems... I don't know. I, I went to the University of Texas, and there were not a lot of conservative... Yeah. Instructors there, lecturers. Yeah, it's funny. I, for, for me, I... I I know that most most uh, professors at college are, are liberal, but I never really heard it expressed outright, except with maybe one example. The ones that always got me were the conservative ones. They were always the ones bringing it up in class. It was it, strange to me well, that people always... Probably, probably because it was in such a contrast to what you would normally hear. Yeah. 
I had I had a, I wrote a pro not a pro marijuana op ed, but I wrote one about the uh, about Amsterdam and you know in the Netherlands when they had decriminalized it, they discovered that the uh, that the uh, use of harder drugs fell. And, the, you know, it was a really simple reason, which is that people didn't have to go around criminal elements to get pot. So they did, they weren't exposed to harder drugs. And so it was the, the rate was actually falling. And so and I just thought that was interesting. So I wrote an op-ed about it because it countered that that prevalent idea that there was a stepping stone drug that you as soon as you smoke pot, you're going to move on to something harder. Well, I mean, right. I did I did go to acid after pot. Yeah, <laughs> for some people. <laughs> but uh, I, anyway, that but fun. you also you also only did that when it was illegal. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming that you, this is that, right, that you, yeah. right. And so the acid after pot was legalized. I, I imagine that was long before. Yeah, and that's no. another that's another problem with that whole concept, which is that if it's something's illegal, only the people who are willing to break the law to get it are going to do it. So you're going to have a skewed. You're going to have skewed data because those people are also willing to break the law to try other harder things. So we don't we never really knew for sure if pot was like a stepping stone drug or not. I just thought it was really interesting that a country legalized it or decriminalized it. And all of a sudden you had the harder drugs suddenly dropping off like crazy. The use of those drugs were dropping off like crazy. And so I wrote an op ed about that. And one of my teachers who was very conservative was in class and somebody made a joke in class and he was like, he made a reference to the fact that, oh, you're really funny. And then he goes, Do you, are you coming to my class on drugs or something? You know, and everybody laughed. And he goes, well, if uh, Rick over here had his way, we'd all be coming to class on drugs. And I was like, what? Oh, no. He actually singled you out. I know. That's what I got that from a couple teachers. And it's like, no, that wasn't really my op-ed, actually. Where did I'm you not. go to university? No, this was. Aberdeen? This, yeah, that was, that was Grace Harbor Community College. Oh. Yeah. Oh. All of a sudden, it makes sense. But here's uh, the thing. There's a lot of fantastic teachers there. It wasn't like that was everybody. That was just a couple of teachers. There's always a fantastic teachers everywhere. But no, it's they, the, actually, Grace Harbor's got more than its share of amazing teachers. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, and I'm saying that every institution has great teachers. But yeah, yeah. The, the culture, though, the regional culture yeah. Um, yeah. of Grace Harbor yeah. helps clear up the the... Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So yes, but anyway, so I got I got singled out by that guy for Rude. my views. Rude. And it was the only C grade that I got in four years of uh, of college. Well, that's what you get for smoking the marijuana. I guess. Yeah, I need to maybe stop. Really? You got better up. than C's all through college? God, I did not do that well. I I I got I actually recently got my transcripts because of my the job change that I'm having. Because they wanted to see my transcripts, and I was kind of yeah. impressed with myself. I forgot how good my grades were. My grades were almost straight A's, except for one or two B's. High five, nerd. Wow. Yeah, I know. I was like, uh, I loved college, though. I mean, I had a lot of fun doing it. Um, yeah. Let's see. In, in community college, I got mostly A's and B's. Yeah. And then when I transferred to university, my first two semesters, I got C's, D's, and F's. Ooh. And then I got suspended for a year, and then I went back, and I got B's and A's, and graduated with my backup degree. Yeah. Well, yeah. at least you got through it. That's all that matters. <laughs> and now you've got a shiny master's degree. And now I do. I now I have a shiny master's degree. Uh-huh. Woohoo. So, which, by the way, I passed with uh, E's. Ease? In, Excellence? In, in Sweden, in Sweden they have a different grading system, so E's get degrees, not C's. What is what does that mean? What does E and C mean? Uh, e means well there's what So E C means mean? excellent, C means crap. <laughs> no. And if you get an E C it's excellent crap. <laughs> That's it's a slight exaggeration. I did actually, I did actually quite better than that. I was just trying to make a joke, but um, the grading system is different. Yeah. So it's they don't use have, the one through ten like a lot of places in Europe and other places. No. Oh, interesting. Mm-mm. Huh. So they have three grades. They have four grades: unacceptable, acceptable, um, passing, and passing with distinction. Oh. And th- that's it. So There's what? no nuance. <laughs> well, you've told what? me about Sweden, so yeah. 
What is E? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a joke. I apologize, Sweden. But I know the E part was just a joke. Is that E is actually a grade, but it's it means that it's passing with without distinction. Okay. Like a C. Yeah. So, so what are the my mantra in college was always C's get degrees. Well, when I moved to Sweden, it's E's get degrees. <laughs> or you get degrees with E's. <laughs> Boom! God, I'm on fucking not, fire today. Really. That's because yeah. it's Earth, Wind, and Fire Day. Oh, there you go. Yeah, and it's I'm the fire. Peace day. <laughs> it's International Peace Day, warmonger. Oh, Earth, Wind, and Fire didn't were not warmongers. They were Peace Day. They were a living embodiment of fucking Peace Day. Okay, motherfucker. Like Long before airbags. there was a peace fucking day, there was Earth, Wind, and Fire, and they were the. Uh, look them up and read about them. They're pretty fantastic human beings, actually. I've never. I mean, I know I know their They're songs. Seriously, fantastic human beings. Yeah, yeah. I can't think of any of their songs. Neither can I. Really? Oh, oh my god! <laughs> oh god! Here we we just opened Pandora's box. No, no, now, no that will take fresh for us to get to because Pandora will just shuffle stuff up. <laughs> no, let's groove tonight. Da 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 da. Share the signs of life. Da 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 da. I don't. It's You've heard awesome all of their songs. I'm sure we have. Do you remember? Yeah, hold on, I'm going to play it. The 21st night of September. The 21st of September. Yeah, September. It, we're, we'll get there. But anyway, yeah. Um, <laughs> They're my favorite. You guys need to know who Earth, Wind, and Fire is so that way I can reference them. Yeah. All the time I want. Well, I know who oh, they are. They're I just don't amazing. know any of their well, songs. Well, they're also just amazing human beings. I mean, they. Oh, and Boogie Wonderland. <laughs> Boogie Wonderland. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, you got it. Guys are dorks. How dare you not know Earth, Wind, and Fire? How do I know who Earth, Wind, and Fire? I'm the baby of this group. Oh, that's, that's a that's, fucking commercial. Yeah, nice try. God damn it, Value Village. Get off my fucking shit. Let's see if my phone's faster. This episode brought to you by Value Village. See, oh, 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 I'm faster. Because if you're not rich, you go to Value Village. I'm gonna be faster. You don't have much of a choice. You probably will because this thing's always. No thanks. Maybe. I'm still standing. Yeah, yeah. Are you guys using YouTube? Why don't you use Spotify? Because fuck Spotify. I don't have Spotify. I don't either. What? How can you. How can you. This is. Here we go. Uh-oh. You only got 10% of yourself remaining. She did it. Oh, sure. Get it up there. On the line. Intermission for Rick to come back. Of course I know this song. It's tonight. It is. Dude, this is gonna be your son's song. Oh yeah. Too bad you can't get, you know. But yeah, no, Earth, Wind, and Fire is fucking awesome. But your son's not gonna be born on International Peace Day. Your son's gonna be born on the day after Peace Day, which is International War Day. No, it's International Hangover. Who did I just have sex with day? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's the day after my birthday. That's weird. <laughs> ah, anyways, yeah. No, let's see. What what day will he be born on? Let's see. Holiday. Because there's two days he could be born on. September. Let's see if he's born tomorrow, like he's supposed to be. Good luck with that. It's a Fall Prevention Awareness Day. Wait, what? Like, don't fall. Oh, and, watch out. And it's, National it's Watch Out Day. It's, it's when fall. You said that, I thought you meant the season. No, no, it's Falls like, Prevention like, Awareness Day. Like you're, like you're fallifying your house or something. No, no, so that, in, and then it's also the first day of fall, and it's at, also National Hobbit Day. Oh, there you go. Okay. Hopefully he'll be uh, obscenely short, and then you, you can he, you can name him Bilbo. Oh, my God. Or Frodo. His whole you can count his years in Hobbit years. It's also, Ooh. the 22nd is also National Ice Cream Cone Day, National Public Lands Day, National Singles Day, uh, National Pre- Elephant Appreciation Day. That's um, my favorite. National White Chocolate Day. Yeah, well, National White Chocolate Day. Okay. 
White chocolate's gross. And then the 23rd, which is when... Shut your mouth, pregnant lady. Dark chocolate's better. White chocolate is Okay, I can't argue with that. I'm just saying white chocolate's good, too. What? White chocolate is not chocolate because it does not have cocoa. There you go. That's Thank true. You. But you know what is white it's a when connection. it? You know what is white before they roast it and cook it? Cocoa. Me. That's true. You are extremely white. Yeah, I've seen you without your shirt off. <laughs> yep. I know. It's really funny now that I now that uh, in the summertime Sarah and Nathan both get dark as fuck, like super fast, and so yeah. I'm like the Irish person on the beach. Nice. So you they get dark, you get red. And then you go, ow! Yeah. And not take a shower for three days. And they're, dark, and they're dark until January. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I, I can't say that. I'm, I've, I've lost my tan from like a month ago. So, which is unfortunate. My wife is still only tan, but on her legs and feet. I don't know why. I don't know how that works. Apparently, that's the most Palestinian part of her is is, is those those parts. I don't know why. My feet are still tan from the one day I wore sandals this summer. Nice, even with the lines and all. Yep. Nice. I like it. Yep. I like it. That's awesome. But um, I'm out of beer, and that well, is there's a beer right there. Oh, there is. Can heli- you, um, uh, I don't, do you, I, I'm not even going to ask you to reach. I, I will do it much. No, wait, I got. I got. So, do you guys want to hear about the Swedish election? I would love to hear about the Swedish election. Okay. So, we have... 15 branches. Well, not branches. 15 parties. We have nine parties that are around the in the, the national government. There's the, the conservative parties, which is the moderates, the liberals... The central center party and the Christian Democrats. You. We have three parties that are um, progressives. That are yeah, progressives, which is the Social Democrats, the um, Green Party or the Environmental Party, and then I'm sorry, we have two uh, progressive parties. And we have a communist party, and we have a fascist party. As I said, 15 parties. Well, yes. You say fascists. I think they're actually racists and probably misogynists. Well, they are. They are. But uh, they came from the fascist, the Nazi party. Yeah, like they they evolved from the Nazi Party, so they're the fascists, and the the Communist Party isn't really a Communist Party anymore. They just evolved from the Communist Party. Interesting. So, there are they like? Have they at least learned their lessons, unlike the Nazis? <laughs> uh, well, the results this, this election was about thirty percent voted for the Social Democrats, and they're the they're about as progressive as the Bernie Sanders group. So really, not all that progressive. Uh, the Bernie Sanders, like Bernie Sanders himself, is actually quite progressive, in court, according to American politics. And that's the Social Democrats. That's about thirty percent of the people who are there. It's like he's saying he's slightly less white than the other white guys. Well, he is. He's actually <laughs> that's, that's essentially what Bernie is. And then um, there was about. Seven percent voted for the environmental party, the, the Green fuck? Party. About ten percent voted for the Communist Party, the far, far left party. About eighteen percent voted for the conservative moderates, which are about the Democrats of the U.S. Um, and nineteen percent voted for the fascists. Oh, that that's uh, not that's too much. It is too much. I mean, I know I realize there's only like what nine million, ten million people in Sweden. Ten million, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, is that the fascist party or the Swedish Democrats, um, their entire platform is based on brown people are bad and keep them the fuck out of our country. Wait, the Democrats? No, the Swedish Democrats. Really? That's the name of their party. They're the fascist party. 
Uh, They're not Democrats in the in the Democrat Republican sense. That's just their name. Yeah. 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 And their whole platform is to keep the brown the the fucking brown people out of our goddamn country and don't spend our money on them. Mm -hmm. Rude. And they got about nineteen percent of the vote. Wow. Gross. Well, it's okay. They they got uh, half the uh, well, almost half the votes here. So you know. Yeah. <laughs> so. It's really gross. It, it, it's really complicated because now they now the Swedish now the the parliament has to build a government, and most of the parties don't so, want to let the fascists be in the government. But that's going to be really difficult unless some people make some really difficult compromises in terms of their economic 